Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we chat with Derek Taylor to preview the West Final between the Blue Bombers and the Lions and some other CFL stuff as well. And then Jamie Thomas joins us to chat about the Winnipeg Jets as they get set to begin a five-game homestand Thursday against the Predators. That's all coming up on the podcast. Saturday night in Winnipeg, the West Final, a chance for the Blue Bombers to go through to the Grey Cup for the fourth straight year. And for the third straight year, Derek Taylor is going to be calling the West Final from IG Field, though in 2021 he was calling it for the Rough Riders, the last two now for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Derek, how excited are you to get behind the mic for this one? Very much so. It's It'll be, my, in fact, my fourth straight West Final. Every year I've been doing play-by-play for a team, I've been to the West Final. Uh, they haven't all gone great because there was a crossbar, there was... That freezing cold December game uh, here when the Bombers turned it over six times and still lumped the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last season went uh, went much better from my perspective as Brady Oliveira propelled the Bombers to victory. And and now just about anything could unfold on Saturday. Well, the, the, the 19 and 21 finals went great for this city. Absolutely. At, at the expense of the team you were employed by at the time Man, uh, in the Saskatchewan that- Rough Riders. That 19 game, like, I just, I kind of want to go back and watch it and go, oh, that was a near miss. Oh, man, if that play connects, this this is a whole different game. Oh, man, if if Shane Goche doesn't make that tackle on Nick Marshall on the trick oh, yeah. uh, return that Craig Dickinson had been holding in his pocket for three years. Oh, gosh, so many plays. And then what if that ball gets over the crossbar? What would have happened is, is the question that Ryder fans will ask forever and Bomber fans don't care because it, I'm sure it was going to be incomplete. Absolutely incomplete will yeah. be the answer you get. Yeah, that fourth quarter was one of the most dramatic, I think, fourth quarters I've ever seen in sports. It was incredible. And all, what was at stake and the Bombers having not won in so long. Now they get a chance to go to a fourth straight as they look for their third in the last four seasons. They are the favorites in this matchup going in. Uh, they opened as four and a half point underdogs, I believe. And right now on the CFL's website, it is still four and a half for the Blue Bombers. How do you view this matchup, Derek? So as we go through it and this, everything that we say from here on in will depend on who is healthy for the Blue Bombers because three of their starting receivers were not at practice today. So just predicated on it depends, uh, it depends on how healthy they are. Um Winnipeg can win a game throwing the football. They can win a game running the football. They can win a game with their defense. And I would presume they could win a game if Sergio Castillo was called on for seven field goal attempts. I feel like those those things are all possible. To me, uh, BC, they're not in any way committed to running the football. Their defense has really been a struggle down the stretch. Uh, Their special team's fantastic. uh, And their passing offense has put up some great numbers. So, to me, the Bombers have four ways they could win a game. BC has one and a half, maybe two ways to win a game. So I, I think four and a half, five point favorite is, is appropriate for for the Bombers because I mean we have evidence in the last two seasons, twenty nine regular season wins. We have evidence of the Bombers winning games a ton of different ways, right? And very few ways that they've lost games. So and when they have lost them, you know it's not been hey they were dominated. It was, you could easily argue, well, it was this went wrong, or Mark Leggio bricked a couple of kicks against Montreal, or uh, there was that one against the Grey Cup. Uh, that ball was going wide and it gets blocked. So, uh, what's Leggio got going on? It's everything points to the Bombers being able to take this one. And, you know, if they're healthy by a good margin, but 
for the first time probably this season, they're not real healthy coming into this game. All right, so let's talk about that. You've been at practice the last couple of days. What have you seen from the receivers that are out? Because other than receiver, it's every, everything looks fine in terms of health. It's receiver that's being tested right now. Absolutely. Uh, I have zero hope that Dalton Schoen is gonna, going to play. Um, we haven't seen him anywhere near practice at all. He was at practice on Saturday, and he stood there. And when he walked, it was very slow, and you could see the limp. And And I, I look at that, and I think of, okay, if this is, in fact, a high ankle sprain that people are kind of whispering it is, I, I just can't imagine that, that that he plays. So I've kind of taken that out of my mind. Nick Dembski and Rashid Bailey are also on the injured list. Both those guys were at practice today. They weren't practicing, uh, but they were there. And there was a, a point where both the guys were side by side in the end zone and they were just running 65 yards back and forth, you know, take a little break and then and then run again. And then Dembski did some other stuff where he go, okay, I've, I'm fairly convinced, and uh, none of this is reporting because the Bombers don't tell us any of this stuff uh, and we'll know on Friday morning. I, I fully believe both those guys will play. How long will they be able to play? How effective can they can they be? We'll have to wait till Saturday to find out. But uh, I I would wager they're they're down Dalton shown, but the other two guys will play. And then what accommodations will they need to make to ensure that those guys or that they'll have enough receivers will be an interesting roster thing that comes on Friday as well. So in their stead, who's been practicing with the offense? So it's been a little bit of everybody. We saw just a touch. There's been a lot of Greg McRae. We saw a touch of Janarian Grant. There's been a bunch of uh, Brennan O'Leary Orange. For the first time today in, in the last session of practice, we saw Markeith Ambles, the newly signed receiver, up with the first team. And Ambles is an option. We've seen some Ravi Alston. Ravi got some some play in the Calgary game in the final regular season game. So they've had a lot of guys in through there but none of them are Nick Dembski and Rashid Bailey and Dalton Schoen, right? So it'll it'll kind of, it'll be a matter of, you know, what do we end up needing, right? Both both Bailey and, and Dembski are slot weapons. So what guys do we have that can play the slot? And then, and then we'll go from there. And then how much cover do we need? Do we need to take another American off the roster to add in an eighth receiver will be an interesting question because, hey, there's a chance that, Bailey might not be able to finish stuff like that though the Bombers will kind of give us a, a clue as to what they think of Bailey and Dembski's health when they release the roster on Friday we saw in the West semifinal Gary Peters on the play he intercepted Jake Mayer early he and oh. Ben Haladic uh, got tangled up in a kind of weird way Haladic did not practice at all this week so far with a knee injury Gary Peters also listed with a knee injury as a limited participant which is a little more promising but if Haladic cannot play, how much does that change their defense? I think they're they're they've got okay cover. Like Ben Haladic, a hundred tackles, incredibly athletic. He's a he's a solid starting middle linebacker in this league. But I I don't think it affects them particularly in the ratio, uh, and maybe not too much in the quality because they have a guy like Josh Woods on the roster who gets a ton of snaps, and they have Bola Combo. So you could take Josh, you could plop him in the middle. I I would presume. And then you can just promote Bola Combo back to his starting spot at that weak side linebacker spot. So to me, that's not the biggest deal there was. Uh, if they don't have Peters, like you talked about that interception. Uh, and I, I watched that play and I just went, I am super impressed with this. As he had to, it was basically just he had to come downhill and take it out from an in-breaking route. But he had to see it so early 
because he had to navigate through multiple bodies to be the first one to the football. And I, I was like, wow, that is that is a guy who is on point with his his film study. It was tremendous. Uh, they're also down uh, Jalen Edwards Cooper, who hasn't played, I believe, in a couple games. Uh, he's their field side cornerback. So their their defensive backfield is taking some licks as well. Uh, and then uh, Jack Hintzberger is a special teamer who was involved in an awful collision with Peyton Logan. So they're not um, they're not too bad, but but Gary Peters might be their Gary Peters might be their best player, period. And that would be a real if he's limited with that knee injury, that's a real problem for BC. So I take it you are expecting Winnipeg to win, but not betting on it. If Nick Dembski and Rashid Bailey are on the roster on Friday, I, I would go in thinking, okay, that is enough talent that that they even have a little margin for error in a game like this. Because the defense, as you mentioned, is fully healthy. They'll decide on Winston Rose or Jamal Parker at, at that one corner spot a little later on, but that defense is, is healthy. And man, the second half of that week 18 game, they just shut down the, uh, the lions offense entirely. they did it in really cool ways that you go, okay, well, Richie Hall's got this, got this down. I feel pretty comfortable here. There's always the run game to go to, right? Brady was so dominant in the West final last year. He's just continued that all this year. He's the MOP of the West for crying out loud that there there's that to go to. And I, I, I don't think Zach has any, any willies about playing in November. His numbers in November aren't great, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's a thing. I think, you know, it's, it's maybe rough games against a couple of quality opponents. So I, I do, I, I think the bombers are, I'm trying to think of a unit where I believe the uh, lions are better. Even with shown down receivers are pretty close. Bombers dominant in the run game, offensive line bombers, quarterback bombers. Sean White, I guess, just because he's so good. Not that it's not nothing to say bad about Castillo. It's just how good White is. But yeah, like special, like they're specialists, uh, like sp- kicking specialists. Yes, I would go with that. I think returner. I think Jerry Grant is a guy I'd take over Terry Williams. If Gary Peters is out, that defensive backfield, which they've struggled defensively the last say six weeks. That becomes a that becomes a problem. So, unit for unit, I mean, I would I would think the bombers have the advantage if you just laid them all out in some sort of math equation. But it's it'll be weird bounces or untimely interceptions or you know can you can you be where can you take away Vernon Adams' first read and force him to go to his second one because even in that West final, like that offense is that BC offense was clicking, but there's just a lot of times where I watch this and go. He's he's just watching until this one guy comes open. He's just watching till Keon Hatcher finds the spot within the two linebackers, and then he throws it. And you go, what if that's not there? How how much do I trust him, uh, Vernon Adams, to go to the second and third guy? That's um, that's something the Bombers will certainly be watching as well. A couple other quick bullet points to hit before I let you go. East final. Any hope for Montreal? No. Um, okay. Honestly, uh, it, the twenty one West final we referenced six turnovers. I feel like it, 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 there's got to be a lot of bounces, like not just a few bounces or a few turnovers in Montreal's favor. I feel like it's got to be a lot of them because I, I don't, I just don't believe their offense can keep up. I think their defense might be able to, but I don't think their offense can keep up. Chris Edwards handed a three-game suspension today by the CFL for what happened at the end of the East semifinal. Does he play in the CFL again? I don't think so. Uh, I'm, I was surprised he was in Hamilton because it was a Hamilton fan that he fought to get suspended at the end of last season and Hamilton took a shot on him. Uh, 
I don't, I just don't think so. I don't know who's going to take a shot on, on a guy with, with that kind of track record and maybe that, that lack of impulse control. I don't even know what it is. Uh, I love that that is a three game suspension. I hope the CFL doesn't back down if it gets appealed like they have in the past. Uh, when Jonathan Rose shoved an official and I think it was 2017, they said, eh, it was last season, so no suspension. They, I hope they stand up to this because that's kind of, that kind of stuff is just nonsense. And uh, the CFL All-Stars named today, six members of the Blue Bombers, eight members of the Argos. Uh, the six Bombers on the list, Brady Oliveira, Dalton Schoen, Pat Newfeld, Jamarcus Hardrick, Willie Jefferson, and on the back end, we had Demario Houston. Did that match your ballot? Uh, I didn't have Demario. I, well, actually, no, I had Demario as my number two. Brady was number one. Uh, Newfeld was number one. Hardrick was number one as far as tackles go. Willie was number two to Matthew Betts, so that fits my ballot. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I kind of wondered if maybe Nick Dembski might sneak on there at the end, but the five receivers were ultimately the ones I picked. Uh, it, I mean, I'm not the biggest Micah Awe guy at middle linebacker. I would have preferred the Calgary Calgary voters had, or whoever had given us Cam Judge. I thought his season was phenomenal, but all in all, it's to me, it's a pretty good all-star team from the West. All right, Derek Taylor, we'll uh, hear from you on the extra big pregame show on Saturday ahead of the West final 3 p.m. That begins 5.30. The game kicks off. We'll uh, see you on Saturday, Derek. Thanks for this. Thanks, brother. Let's turn our attention back to Winnipeg sports. The Jets coming back home after a 5-2 win over the St. Louis Blues. Jamie Thomas, our friend from the Jets and Jets TV, joins us now. Jamie, was that the best game you've seen from the Jets top line this year? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought you were going to say the team itself, but yeah, that was that was pretty dominant, right? And I thought clearly what plays a role in this, Christian, is the power play kind of getting on track. And, you know, once you're feeling things five on five, I imagine five, that trickles down to the power play as well. But that was um, the way they moved the puck around with the man advantage is what Rick bonus has been asking for since he got here, like don't hold on to it, move it, move it, move it. And, you know, you, you look at that passing play on, on the first goal from Mark Shifley is just Alex. I coming over, sends a puck cross crease over to, to Shifley who moves in from the, from the face off circle. And, you know, there it is in the back of the net. So that that's pretty much what, you know, Brad Lauer and, Rick Bonus have been wanting the Jets to be doing when they have the man advantage all year long. But uh, other than that, like it just, you know, for you, you, all the attentions on the third line, you know, and it was well-deserved because they had been so dominant. So it was just, maybe it was just that time where the the top line said to themselves, let's, let's do, let's do some damage tonight. And uh, I'm not saying they haven't been, you know, playing well, I'm just saying that was that's per, that, that's their best game, and uh, you know you're 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 hoping for that. You need your top six to to produce, and especially your top line, and for them to do it on the road where you don't have you don't have last change uh, says a lot about how dominant they were last night. Yeah, they had been getting a chance at five on five together with mm-hmm. Alex Iafalo, and yeah. you, you get extended stretches. And I mentioned this before, where you kind of don't notice them, and that's not ideal for a, a top line, but. To, to go out and lay that down last night is great, but it's even better if you do it more than once, right? And, and to see that consistency is something that maybe we haven't seen that much. And perhaps that is a part of uh, the the power play struggles. That line, mm-hmm. three of those five are on the top unit. They get a couple goals last night. Maybe that's a confidence boost going forward. 
Right. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, where I saw a lot of improvement on the power play was from the second unit because of how quickly they moved the puck. And there is a lot of talent clearly on that top unit. I thought they really were, you know, losing Gabriel Velarde early on really hurt the power play because they had built that line and you know, they had Gabriel Velarde who's good and tight with his hands. He holds on the puck for long stretches of time, you know, draws defenders towards him to allow the space, time and space that Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor need, which they don't need a whole lot of, but he's going to give you that extra time and space that, 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 uh, that they are hoping for. So there's that adaptation and, you know, full credit to Alex Ifalo, who has told us before that he's played on the top power play when he was with Los Angeles in and out, right, too. So he's, he has plenty of experience of doing it. So he said it last night, you know, it's, it's just him finding where he has to go and where they're going to go. I'm talking about Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley to get the puck, right? So it's just, it's not going to happen instantaneously when you come to a new team and, you know, you know, they didn't get a whole lot of time to work on it during training camp because of injuries and illnesses. But I think that's that, that's a great sign of what what can happen when things are going well. And the, clearly the skill skill abilities of, of those three players on the top line. There's just haven't been that many games where multiple lines were doing it. It seems like one yeah. game, it's the third it's, line gets all the goals. Line. And then all, the one top line last night. And we yeah. haven't really seen the second line kind of dominate, but it's what we're going to get a night eventually where three lines, four lines all get in on the action. And that's mm-hmm. a sign of a good team that, that they can have that kind of balanced scoring. But here the jets are, they're above 500 after a kind of tough start to the season and they've barely been at home. So mm-hmm. you have to think that this five game homestand is, uh, is something they've been looking forward to. Yeah. And it's a great tone setter too. And it's the sketch. I think I feel like the jets have the most one game homestands every year. And that's really hard, right? They come home from the road, they come home for one, they're gone again. So it's been tough for them to get things, any type of momentum on, on home ice. But the way, you know, they've taken it to central division opponents, they've only played St. Louis twice, I know, in Arizona so far. But this is, you know, a great way to start your homestand with Nashville, who always gives you a run for your money. And then Dallas, who's, to me right now, you know, along with Colorado, the class of the division two for Saturday afternoon. That's that's a good way to start a homestand and to continue things. You know, you've always they've always played the central division well. Why not you know climb up a little bit higher in the central division standings with a couple of wins here to start the homestand. So um, you have to. You, there's great signs here. The fact that they're winning it just seems like one line doing all the offensive work every night right now. Um, you know you, that's not sustainable. But that that's you know you just they've been playing great five on five, but the offense hasn't been there through up and down the lines, but now what happens when two lines are going, then that that's, that's what you're waiting for. And clearly that's going to come sooner rather than later, in my opinion. Well, and, and another thing that, that has to happen, of course, is defensively, right? This team is six, four and two, and they have a goal differential of zero, uh, yeah. which is not ideal. Part of that is, is, is watered down by what happened in the first few games of the season, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, they're, you know, 41 goals is, is pretty good. 41 goals against is not, yeah. Um, some you look, look at Boston, for instance, 39, 23 or Vancouver, 54, 24, which is not sustainable for them. But yes. yeah, right. For for the Jets, though, I mean, this we saw Connor Hellebuck gave up two goals last night. He he got helped out for sure by defenseman yeah. getting in the way. But uh, I the hope, I think, is to see two, three goals against become the norm instead of what we've seen too many fours and fives this year. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, and right. It was like twenty plus goals in the first four games too. So that's like that's way that's made this look really bad, and they, they're kind of up against it. It reminds me a couple of years ago, I believe, like the second to last year, Paul Maurice's head coach. Remember, they just got they were so bad killing penalties early in the year, and it just took them so long to get out of that rut, and they were constantly at seventy to seventy percent rage with a penalty kill. It's just like you dig yourself a hole. Now I think there's the, the wheels are turning now instead of spinning. Um, I, 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 I love, still love the way they're playing five on five right now. Um, and then if you can get your penalty kill in order and, and you've seen signs of the power plays come into life, I think you have all the recipe for what should be a successful team, a good solid team in the central division this year, what we are expecting overall just outside of a rough start defensively. And, you know, they, they've been through, it's been touched on. They've been through a lot already to start the year. Like Adam Johnson's death, you know, Rick, Bo- you know, Judy bonuses, you know, seizure, that that type of stuff doesn't happen uh, every year. So to their credit, they have kept it together. When Vegas was here in October, and I felt like the Jets had a chance to win that game in Vegas as well, just some unfortunate, you know, you couldn't get their your power play, couldn't, your penalty kill couldn't come through uh, when you needed it to to start the road trip. But overall, I think there are some good signs that there's, you know, this this is trending in the right direction. So they have this five-game homestand, Nashville, Mm -hmm. Dallas, New Jersey, Buffalo, Arizona, two Mm -hmm. teams ahead of them, three teams behind them in the standings. Right. I view, I feel like they have to win three of these for sure. Yeah. I I don't know which three, but three is the number to start with for me. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. And, you know, those, those three of those games are divisional games and, you know, Arizona's always come here and caused problems. Um, before the Jets have not made it easy for them. New Jersey is always as, as you know, I, I'm not sure where Jack Hughes is going to be when, when they come, when New Jersey's in town, but it, you know, they're always a handful when they come here. Buffalo is a pain in the butt too. So you'd like to start things off the right way with Nashville, um, who I thought didn't, they played okay in Calgary the, last night, but you know, you got you, you, three or five is, is ideal. Four or five is like phenomenal. Um, but Let's just take these. Let's just worry about Nashville first and see how you carry the momentum from a road trip and push it into, um, especially the way that the special teams have been playing the last couple of games. Bring that into to the game against Nashville and see if you can get some consistently consistency going here, especially on home ice. How good was it to see Neil Pionk score last night? Uh, you know, man, like that that shot where they had Nikolai Ehlers and Dylan DeMello, you know, hit him on the back. And you could tell there was a, some serious emotions going through um, Neil Pionk, right, at, at that moment. And, you know, what he's had to go through emotionally for the last little bit. Love the, love the article from Mike McIntyre on, on the road trip. And uh, I think anybody that has followed this team or anybody that loves hockey, that's just a great moment um, for anybody, for all of us, uh, anybody in sports, anybody that likes uh, emotion. And uh, there was clear emotion on display there and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I was welling up with tears, but you, you felt a little bit of uh, you're holding something back when that happened, because that's just, that's a great a guy that has played phenomenally through a tough time has been, I think playing his best hockey, especially his last couple of games. Uh, and for that one to go in and the way he placed that shot, uh, it, it was just a perfect moment in my opinion. So I know it's a little early for this, but yeah. Gabriel Velarde, when Gabriel Velarde <laughs> returns. Yes. What happens to the forward groupings? Oh my gosh! Hey, like there to that, there are some serious decisions to be made because I just don't think you know you had Nino Niederreiter on the second line 
with Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers, but I don't think you break up that third line. You just can't, unless something starts to come apart here, but I just don't see that. And the weapon that it has become, um, the way they have dominated five on five. So, you know, clearly you're going to go back to Shifley up and Shifley, Velarde and Connor, but do you start that until or or do you work Velarde slowly into the lineup before putting him on the top line, especially with the way Io follows there. So, but I still think you go back the way that things you had it. And the tricky part is, is who's, who's moving down, like, you know, down to the fourth line, uh, and when when all this is, shakes down too, so Alex Iofalo will always have a part in the t- in the power play unit somewhere, but who who goes to the fourth line? It becomes the big question, and I don't know if it's an issue, but uh, it's a good issue to have. And I think at some point, you know, Rasmus Kapari was Rasmus Kapari was playing so well to start the year. Now it's just kind of like I haven't seen a lot from him. Right, he's still doing a great job killing penalties, but I haven't seen him creating the way he was earlier in the year. You know, a lot of that comes into down to special teams and the momentum that you can have, how much you're rolling out your fourth line. But the stuff I saw from Rasmus Kapari earlier in the year hasn't hasn't been there the last little bit here. So, but it's a great problem to have. Uh, when one that you're having Gabriel Velarde back in your lineup, and then what you do with your lineup afterwards. But something clearly something has to be done with that second line because they just it, it, Ehlers is still you know working his way back. To where we have to be, we've seen signs of it. I just you need to see it on a more consistent basis. Colbert Fetty has been producing offensively, and Vlad Nemestikov is your is your Swiss Army knife, right? So it's just you can fit them wherever you want. But I I, I don't. You have Colbert Fetty, Alex I follow and and um, I'm drawing a blank here for a second. Uh, Ehlers, Perfetti, and uh, Alex I follow. There we go. Uh, as your second line, that would. That would be something you could think about doing, but then you're losing some size as well. So uh, a lot of pieces to move around that you'd have to think about, but uh, that would be something I would think about. But because the number two line has to get going here at some point as a unit. We saw signs, I think, believe in the Rangers game. I thought, you know, Ehlers had a bunch of – had 18 shots on goal and over three-game stretch uh, before the Jets headed out on the road. That's what you need to – you need him shooting the puck a lot more uh, consistently. Well, I'll get you out of here, as I always do, by asking you about your Dolphins. They are yeah. off this week, upcoming after they lost in Germany to the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, they're still first in the division. They beat the bad teams. They lose to the good teams. How are you feeling after nine weeks? Well, see, great teams find ways. And I, I will never deny the fact that they're, they're turning a corner as an organization, right? They're not the disaster. There's not bad things happening. You know, clearly losing a draft pick over the Tom Brady fiasco was an issue. Um, but overall they've kind of pieced that together. So there's stability in the organization. The problem now lies in games where you have a chance to beat Philadelphia. Tyree Kill catches a pass. He lets it go through his hands, goes off his knee into the end zone. That's That was a touchdown. That's a missed opportunity there. And then he's trying to make something happen. And I'm speaking of Tyree Kill in the, in the Chiefs game in Germany and fumbles the football, and it's the game-winning touchdown. So it's a guy that's trying to do too much He's been carrying the offense for a while. A little concerned about Jalen Waddle and his health, but you and your their offensive lines in shambles because of injuries again. So you're losing that opportunity to run the football as well as you had been earlier in the year. So the pieces are there, Christian. They're not a disaster anymore. They're not a fire sale. Every time something happens, there is stability. So if once they get those injuries things figured out, and Tyree Kill stops trying to do everything every foot every afternoon. 
I think the Dolphins will be fine, but the division is there for the taking because Buffalo is so beat up on the, on the defensive side of the football, and they just don't seem to have one, another weapon outside of Stephon Diggs on the offensive side of the football. And Josh Allen, let's, let's be clear there. The Jets are too banged up, don't have a quarterback, and the Patriots are hanging around. So this division is there for the taking. It's just how they do it or if they, if they allow Buffalo to walk into the back door. Well, Jamie, appreciate your insight as always. Thanks for this, and we'll see you at the game tomorrow. My friend, thanks for having me on. I'll talk to you soon. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the day. You may not share our intellect. 